Hello, everyone. I'm Mike Sedam, and this is the Crucial Talks Podcast. You know, on this podcast, we believe if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people. And today goes right in line with that. Today, we are talking about the unpredictable risks we have to deal with every day and how we deal with those in our companies and in our organizations where people are the key to success. And our guest today is Melissa Agnes, the author of Crisis Ready. What is so great about Melissa is that her focus on crises fits within the idea of the Crucial Talks podcast, where we focus on positive, strength-based solutions. She doesn't talk about a bad thing happening and then how to fix it. She talks about building capacity and how to prepare organizations for crises. So when they hit, organizations are not only resilient, they're invincible. Welcome to the Crucial Talks podcast, Melissa, and thank you so much for being part of this podcast. I know you've helped organizations like NATO, you've written for Forbes, and you've also been featured in the Wall Street Journal and USA Today. So can you tell us a little bit about you and why you're so passionate about getting organizations to be crisis ready? First, thank you so much for having me, Mike, and I love that intro. That was such a pleasure, a delight to listen to, <laughs> um, which normally intros kind of make me cringe because it's like reading off my bio and blah, but no, that was just wonderful. Thank you. Um, I, you're right. I am so passionate about the work that I do, the reason being that while I look at it through the lens and through the scope of risk mitigation and crisis readiness, the value, the impact that I have through my work with organizations leads to, you know, stronger business operations. It leads to stronger connections with stakeholders on an emotionally relatable level, which just strengthens the brand's reputation and, um, you know, and those valuable relationships that, that create business, right, for the organization and value and service to to their clients, um, investors, employees, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I guess what I'm saying is that what I love about becoming crisis ready is not only do organizations build brand invincibility, but they do so for all the right reasons. And those reasons are about, are in service to the connections, the relationships, the people that enable the business to function. Well, that is perfect for this podcast because one of the main themes is that people are the greatest resource of any organization, and through people, we can build capacity. And that's why I just love what you said there that, hey, you're not only going in there and helping people become crisis ready, but because of the way you do it, focusing on these stronger connections, focusing on the emotional level, which is another key tenet of this podcast, which is emotional decision-making – and focusing on those relationships, it not only leads to this concept of brand invincibility and being crisis ready, but it helps in all other aspects of the organization. So what I'd like to do is start by asking you the difference between an organization that manages its day-to-day and one that is crisis ready, because I think it goes to what you're talking about, that, hey, when you get crisis ready, it kind of filters throughout the organization and creates bonds and strengthens you in all facets of the business. Absolutely. So, okay, so crisis ready is a 
term, I mean, it's, it's not a term that I coined in the sense that, you know, it's two words that were put together um, that already existed. But the definition of what it means to me to be crisis ready is very precise. And that's mine in, in the sense of I'm very, um, it's very clear in my mind as to what that means. And it's more than just crisis preparedness, which is more common terminology in this field and in this industry, but to me, it doesn't go far enough. Um, And that is, so becoming crisis ready, it means that your entire team, so crisis readiness is cultural, um, which goes to another point of, I don't ever use the term, for example, crisis management plan. I think that plans are, no, I don't think, I know, plans are, they're linear and they're siloed very, that is the status quo for crisis management plans. And in this day and age, by the time you reach for that plan, you're already playing catch up. You're already behind because expectations of your stakeholders when something goes wrong, start at minute 0.1. And it takes more than 0.1 minutes to reach for that plan. (laughs) So you're already behind. Things can potentially already be going viral against your organization. Expectations and demands are already surging in. There's already so much that you should have already been doing. So crisis ready means that it's cultural and it means that your entire organization, every single member of every single department understands three things. They understand very clearly what risk looks like for the organization so that they are they are enabled, they're empowered to detect it as quickly as possible. They understand and they are trained on how to properly assess its material impact on the organization. So is it an issue versus a crisis? Does it have emotional relatability, which means that it has strong potential of going viral against the organization and having deep, meaningful, emotional impact on, you know, that will serve as repercussions to the organization as an example. So understand how to properly assess the material impact of the risk on the organization. And then thirdly, it's not just about managing the situation to put it to bed. When you're crisis ready, when your team is crisis ready, they understand how to respond and manage any type of negative event, any type of negative event, whether it's, you know, on any scale or side of the spectrum, um, issue to crisis, to you know, catastrophic crisis. They understand how to manage it in a way that actually fosters increased trust and credibility in the organization. That's where the term, you know, brand invincibility came in was when you have a team, when you have a culture that is able to quickly identify risk, assess its material impact on the organization, and respond in a way that fosters increased trust and credibility in the brand, then you can weather any storm that comes your way, making your brand invincible. And what I really like about what you're saying here is you're you're really focused on the people. And what you said about plans is awesome, that they're too linear, they're too uh, structured, they're probably too late in the game once something happens. You need people with that ability to sense make, to figure out what's going on, and to respond to it appropriately. What this leads me to is a question I'd like to ask that not only does it seem like crisis ready and getting that that cultural embeddedness for being crisis ready, that not only does it help the organization when something bad happens, but it seems like it can help smaller groups, a couple of people, a small team, uh, friends at work, whatever, when maybe some a crisis happens, even in their own personal life, not just this broader 
bigger thing that happens to the organization, but can it also help the people at the individual level when something bad happens in their life? Absolutely. And I mean, I don't, I don't <laughs> um, pretend to, to be a crisis manager for the personal side, but I mean, the same principles exist and apply. And, you know, I'm so on a more personal note, for example, to make that real, um, I'm going through right now a divorce and I'm realizing that I use the same time because I am right crisis. I'm, I was designed, I was created to have to do this, this, have this career to do what I do for clients. It's, it's like, I have this natural aptitude and I'm realizing that I did that within my marriage, I crisis readied it. So if you look at which, um, I, I teach organizations. One of the first steps that I do with them is we look, we identify, or we define what a crisis versus an issue is for their organization. And then we look at their most likely high impact issue scenarios and crisis scenarios that they're the most prone and vulnerable to. If you look at from the personal side, you can do that in any regard. And in you know, when you're in a relationship, just to kind of bring this home, when you're in a relationship, one of your high risk scenarios is that that relationship will end, will terminate. And the objective for me with spend that if ever that day comes, I want us to respect the love that we shared and to like, I don't want to lose him in my life. And so I'm realizing now that my Colt, my, my ex-husband is one of my closest friends and one of the people in this world that I respect and admire so profoundly. And and we're able to get crisis readied our marriage <laughs> on an emotional level and on a, a practical level. So all of that, just to say that I suppose I'm I'm starting to realize um, the way that my brain functions and that it's not just about organization. So yeah, you can take these same principles and apply them. It's about mindset and it's about understanding what risk looks like and what you want the outcome of that risk to be if it were to materialize. And we can do that for our business. We should do that for our businesses. And then we can also do that on a personal level in the sense of wanting to have the most fulfilled life that we want to achieve for ourselves, if that makes any sense. It totally does. And uh, sorry for throwing the curveball at you there about the individual level, but because no, of our- <laughs> I think it's so interesting. Well, because it's uh, what this podcast is about is all about human beings as social animals. And what we talk about is a lot of the organizational issues and teamwork, but we also talk about individuals. So I kind of knew the answer already because when I'm looking at it, I knew it worked for people at the individual level and families and different systems, not just organizations, which is what is so great about talking to you because risk tolerance and even risk management is all about perception. And the fact that you can you have this ability to hit it from this emotionally relatable direction where you understand that we're dealing with with people and you are focused on the strengths of people, which is really our emotional bonds, our ability to make sense of what's going on around us, and our ability to to do the make the best decisions using that kind of system one quick thinking that a computer cannot do. And that is what is so great about Crisis Ready and your book and some of the stuff you do is just because it it hits the human being in a way that that focuses on our strengths. So one thing we talk about on the podcast all the time is that 
there's something really special about people. And it's this ability to construct reality with each other through stories and communication. So how important is communication to this notion of being crisis ready and having this uh, brand invincibility? It is crucially, essentially important. So if you are to manage any incident, and and it's not just – I want to make it clear, it's not just about the catastrophic crises. It's about the everyday issues that come with being in business. So when you're crisis ready, yes, you're you're prepared and you're crisis ready for the catastrophic crises, but you're also, because of the work that, that I do that and it's so intrinsic and it's so um, vastly profound within, you know, straight through throughout the business and the culture, you, it counts for the everyday issues. Um, could any type of negative event, whether it's an issue or crisis, it requires effective and simultaneous action, the, taking the right course of action to actually fix and manage the incident that is or has occurred and communication. And you cannot successfully issue manage or crisis manage without simultaneous, effective, successful, um, you know, both of these things. So the action and the communication undertaking and, and performing on both of these things. Communication is, I would say, 60% to 65% of crisis management, issue management. So it is essential, essential, essential. However, without the right actions, you can have the best communications in the world. You're not going to come out of it, you know, with um, increased trust and credibility in the brand. Just like you can have all the right actions being taken behind the scenes, but unless you're communicating, you will not come out of it uh, communicating effectively. You will not come out of it with increased trust and credibility in the brand. So it really requires um, a strong and effective, you know, action and communication simultaneously. And you said so. It really isn't. Important to not only communicate, but communicate effectively. And what I like about this yes. is the fact that you you go into a, an organization and you get them crisis ready and you do it at all levels so that every role people play within the organization has a common goal, even though they may have actions that are that are different from one person to the other, depending on depending upon the role and that sort of thing. So being able to communicate effectively seems to me like it requires a common picture. It requires a common goal, something everybody kind of has a vision of what direction they're going. And it also requires a little bit of focus within your role because what I like about the fact you said communicate effectively is in a lot of organizations because – and I don't mean just in this country but across the world – we've become so focused on problem-fixing that we're deficit focused and focused on the negative. And what tends to happen is when something bad happens, a crisis happens, uh, whatever happens, people communicate, but they communicate in a way that is not effective. They communicate in a way that, that basically just is a doom and gloom kind of thing where they're just rehashing the problem. So when you're talking about communicate effectively, what does that actually look like for those of us in organizations that have this other form of communication where we communicate and we talk, but we may not be communicating the right way and about the right things. So what does it actually look like to me to communicate effectively toward this goal of being crisis ready? 
There is, I love that question. There are a couple things and these things are directly implementable right away. So the first is to truly understand who you are communicating with. So one of the things that continues to kind of shock me (laughs) and it will change. The more I talk about it, the more I'm on stage, the more, you know, my book is read, this will change. I'm determined to have it change. But right now I have never onboarded a new client and gone in and had that client have already in their possession a consolidated list of each one of their stakeholder groups. So each one of the groups of people that matter most to the business. Now, every department understands who they own relationships with, but their leadership, I've never come across leadership, a, a, you know, a C-suite that has that consolidated list. And yet we can, by defining what issue versus crisis is for the organization, for, by taking the time to identify the most likely high impact issues and crises that you're the most prone and vulnerable to, gives you a huge baseline of of knowledge and understanding and data, right? That's that's essential for being coming crisis ready. Now, the other part of that is to understand who those people are that matter to your business, who are those groups of people, and what are their expectations in the brand? We can, when things go wrong, we can anticipate, if we put the time into it, we can anticipate what, you know, in high-risk scenario one, we can anticipate what employees will demand, will expect, what their key concerns and fears will be. We can enable our teams to, when we anticipate that in advance, we can then be prepared to meet those expectations. Same with investors, same with clients, same with vendors, same with regulatory agencies, same with law enforcement, same with the media, all of the above, all of your stakeholder groups. So the very first thing for effective communication is to take the time to understand whom you're communicating with and what those expectations look like, what those key concerns will look like and putting the team in a position to be, and then this goes into the other steps, to be emotionally intelligent in your communication. And that is, you know, leading with with heart and compassion and validating emotion, um, understanding that we can't trump, we will, it's one of my crisis ready rules, we will never defeat the, you know, defeat emotion with logic. We cannot trump emotion with logic. So validating emotion is essential. Communicating with emotional intelligence is essential. But in order to even get to that point, you have to understand whom you're communicating with and what matters to them and be in a position to, and this goes to, you know, having that culture is, I, I said earlier that Every single department owns different relationships with um, with different stakeholders. Those relationships, those people, those departments need to know and understand and put thought into prior to what relationships will demand in order when things go negative in order to exceed expectations and the objective of of successful crisis management if you're struck with a crisis is to come out of the crisis with more stakeholder trust and goodwill and credibility built up. You're not gonna achieve that without understanding whom you're communicating with and what they expect of the organization. Well, and I love that because we talk a lot about identity on the podcast. We talk a lot about in-groups and out-groups and how that perception of somebody as an in-group or an out-group actually changes the lens you look through when dealing with it, the 
exact same situation. So if you're able to view somebody as an in-group member or at least a, a not an out-group, not somebody who's against you, but somebody who's with you, somebody that supports you, somebody that you're concerned about, it completely changes the lens you use to look through when you're dealing with a situation. And it sounds like this step of taking time to understand whom you are communicating with and what matters to them recognizes this fact that as social animals, we depend upon the lenses we look through to identify groups, and that changes how we deal with those groups. Does that sound like a fair statement to make? Absolutely. And it really is about choosing your lens. I love that you just said that. It's one of the things that I teach on stage. It's one of the first things that I teach on stage is you know, I say, I like to say that the lens through which we choose, because it is a choice to see a negative event will directly impact the actions that we take in response to that event, which directly impacts the outcome that that event will have on the brand or its people or its reputation or its bottom line and, or, or all of the above. Um, so choosing the lens, and that goes to the cultural component of crisis readiness. It's understanding you know, making sure that your entire team chooses the right lens when something negative happens. So I love that you just said that. Well, and I think it does make sense to a lot of people listening because we can see how uh, even in our day-to-day lives, when we look through the right lens, we can even see mistakes or we can see problems or we can see bad things that happen as opportunities. And so I'd like to shift gears just a little bit here because when you're talking about how you come out at the end with higher trust amongst your stakeholders, it seems like you're you're now not only looking at the problem or the situation as a problem to be solved, but you're looking at it as an opportunity to come out better on the back end, going, going again to this notion of changing your lens. So can you talk to us a little bit about how important this is to have this, this lens of coming out after a crisis with higher trust with your stakeholders. So talk about how to do that? Yeah, and talk about um, really by by looking at this end goal of coming out with a higher level of, of trust and having your stakeholders not only, I guess, trust you more, but also um, confidence in you. Is credibility it? and goodwill. Credibility, will. right. Goodwill. So, and credibility, yeah. So if you go into this situation and you look at it and say, okay, we're going to come out of this with higher levels of trust and credibility with our stakeholders, how does that lens actually shape the actions you take? Hmm. It is – so one of my favorite crisis-ready rules – so cri- the crisis-ready rules that I'm mentioning are um, rules that I ha- that kind of run across the board – um, that they are, they're crisis ready rules. And one of my f- most favorite ones is people above process and bottom line always. And so when you go into a negative event or when a negative event strikes, whether it's an issue or a crisis or anything in between, and you have a team that looks at it and says, okay, how, how do we put people first here? And how do we use this incident, no matter what it is, to showcase and to live our values and to take a progressive step in you know, serving, serving the people that matter to our business, serving those relationships and 
understanding their expectations, being in a position to meet, if not exceed their expectations. And again, just putting people first. So I always say, people ask me sometimes, you know, if you could just give one piece of advice, one, you know, actionable takeaway, just one in terms of how to become crisis ready, that is a loaded question, but yet it's a simple answer. And the answer is take one direction every day to in, in alignment with building connection and, you know, living those values and putting people first. And if you can do that in a negative event, then you're going to, even if you don't know what to do, you never, you haven't been crisis ready. You haven't put the time into becoming crisis ready. You feel completely, um, you know, lost and overwhelmed because I don't know, a negative event is going viral against your brand. I mean, whatever the situation, if you focus on putting people first and you focus on strengthening those relationships, you will take your organization in the right direction in managing that situation. So, it's, it, it's about that. It's about people. And I mean, I can go, there's a whole book, right? There's 63,000 <laughs> words written on it. <laughs> um, but and in a fun way, not in a cumbersome way, <laughs> which was a very big objective for me with this book. It needed to be completely different from what existed uh, previously on the market or to date on the market um, for so many important reasons. But yeah, so that is, if I can consolidate my answer into as simplistic a response and actionable a response as possible, that would be it. So putting people first, I love this fact that you say, hey, look, if it boils down to one thing, if you put people first and it doesn't matter what group they're in, it could be a stakeholder, could be an employee, could be a teammate, could be a, a leader of yours. But if you put people first and you start making your decisions based on putting people first, you will end up moving in the right direction. It's when we maybe we try to put other things first. Hey, how do we process and bottom line? Process and bottom line. So if you're if you're focused on the wrong drivers, it could lead you the wrong direction. But if you focus on the right drivers, which is people focused it can lead you in the right direction and and help you start making better decisions to mitigate what's going on. Absolutely. And here's what I'll say. I'll say that successful business, and you said it earlier in the podcast in your way, through your words, but successful business is about the relationships, right? Businesses run by people for people. People are what think people is about the very same relationships. So oftentimes I'll have a new client or, you know, a prospective client that comes to me and says, well, what industry do you specialize in? Industries that I have served run gamut from the financial sector to law enforcement and, you know, different government agencies and municipalities to academia to, you need to oil and gas to um, healthcare, you name it. And the common denominator, the reason being the common denominator on every single for every single business as people. Therefore, the common denominator for every crisis management or crisis readiness is people. And everything else is important. So for example, when I work with a client, I go very deep. I know my client's businesses as well as the C-suite does. That is who I work with. And that is, I make it my responsibility to, if I don't understand the business 
how it works, its day-to-day, its objectives, and its and its stakeholders, so internal and external, then I can't advise on risk management and effective crisis readiness. So, you know, those are the nuances. Those are the different, that's what you bring in in terms of understanding full scope and impacts, understanding all of these different factors, which is what enables me to work with, you know, such a wide spectrum of, of industry, within such a wide spectrum of industries. But again, that common denominator being people. Absolutely, because uh, I will tell you that I think a lot of people here listening get that and understand how you can be or how you can apply what you know and what value you add to a wide spectrum of industries. Uh, I know I've spoken to gas and petroleum, uh, geothermal power plants, aviation, military, that sort of thing. And the reason this stuff works and the reason I'm so excited to talk to you and the reason I can I can say without a doubt that what you're doing in your book applies to industries all across the world and, and organizations that are so different from, from each other is because of this focus on people, that what you're helping people do and what you're helping them prepare for counts on people and builds capacity that you cannot build by just writing a plan down on a piece of paper. When we're talking about an organization, and it doesn't matter what industry they're in, but when we're talking about an organization that actually wants to start this process of being crisis ready, what can they do? I know we talked about, hey, put people first as the, it's kind of like the baseline. That's your fallback point, put people first. But what can they do to actually start this process of being crisis ready? There is, so what I've developed, um, I developed it as the foundation of my book, but I, it's now being adopted into course curriculum and, you know, by uh, consultants that do. That takes you through where you currently sit of crisis readiness and every organization sits a different place within that spectrum. It will take you through the process of becoming crisis ready and building that brand invincibility. And the very first step of the model is to audit the mindset and culture of your organization, is to understand. So we're talking about lens and we're talking about people first and we're talking about culture and all of these wonderful things. But it's the first step is to really gauge what is the lens within your organization? What is the culture within your organization? Where do the gaps lie that where are the strengths that you're going to augment within this process? And then where are the gaps and the vulnerabilities and the weaknesses that you can bridge and strengthen? And that is as simple as taking a look. I just, I said earlier that issue management is a part of business. And so therefore every department has its issues that occur regularly. It's, you know, whether it's the production line, whether it's customer service, whether it's sales, whether it's, there are issues that is part of that job of those, of those employees and those teams of issue management just comes with their tasks. So how, if you look at those issues and you say, how are, you know, don't ask the question of what's the lens they're seen through, but what's the impact and what, how are they managed? How are they responded to? And then take it upon yourself to gauge what the lens is. So it's understand that very, very first step. There's, it's a five step uh, or five phase model, but that very first phase is really, truly trying to gauge where you sit on that spectrum of crisis readiness, what your lens is, what the mindset is so that you can then go to the second phase, which is to better under, to make sure that the team understands the different impacts and dynamics of crisis management. 
Well, and this is what I I get from you, and this is really what I love about what you're doing is because you actually said, hey, when we go in there to audit an organization to figure out, kind of get a flavor of where they're at, what I like is the fact that you have talked about figure out what your strengths are and what strengths you can augment. Because one of the things we talk about all the time on the podcast is appreciative inquiry and how appreciative inquiry is a strength-based, positive-focused way to start change in an organization. And, and really, one of the first things you do is discovery. And that's really, hey, what is going on in the organization? What gives it life? What what drives it? And so I really like what you said here about the strengths you're going to augment as being your your first phase of this five-phase model to being crisis-ready. So when we're talking about this first phase, and I know we don't have time to go into all five, but when we're talking about this first phase and dealing with the strengths and the questions you ask, what kind of what kind of questions do you actually ask within that phase to gauge where an organization is? So the it's different from my approach is different from somebody who works within the organization and is doing this themselves. Just because they're going to take because I do it so naturally, I think. So the way that I audit is that first phase is pretty much finished by the time I onboard to me, by the time I onboard the client. So I am auditing through having conversations and asking. I am a question asker. I am somebody who likes to collect knowledge and information and data. My favorite word is why. Um, I'm extremely inquisitive and I like to really, really understand things um, to the very core of them so that I can make informed and, you know, the right decisions. Um, So in that onboarding process, I know I can very quickly evaluate why they're coming to me, where they currently lie, what their challenges and struggles are internally. So oftentimes that looks like, you know, we, we went through an incident and we responded poorly. And as a result, here's what happened. Or um, we know that we are not crisis ready and we know that we're subjected to or vulnerable to, you know, different risks because every business is. And however, we know that we don't have the required buy-in from leadership. And they've tasked us with hiring somebody like you, but we know we're going to have struggles. So, you know, and that to me tells me a lot about the culture of the organization. And also the understand phase, which is the next phase, is about getting all of leadership, all of management to really have a baseline common knowledge and understanding on different variables and impacts that are reality and unavoidable, inevitable when it comes to issue and crisis management. So that audit phase is about understanding, for me, it's about understanding where, um, you know, the organization currently sits so that I can better evaluate how I'm going to get them to that baseline understanding of, of variables and impacts. So I do that through the questions that I ask while onboarding a client or other people who are already work within the organization and want to implement this phase. That's where the book really comes in. The book is, is honestly, is the roadmap to, it's everything. People tell me, they come to me, they read the book and they're like, Melissa, you just, you wrote yourself out of a job. That's the point. It gives everything because it's difficult to take all of this and to put it like, it just, it makes sense in my head. And I understand that that's my, my personal natural talent. Whereas it doesn't, you know, other people have their talents that I couldn't do. Um, so it gives it all. But it's it's about if you're doing it within your organization, it's really about 
asking questions, but not asking, like I said earlier, not saying, you know, what's the lens that you looked at this situation from, but looking at the actions that were taken, the result of those actions, and then you sitting down and better understanding the lens. And then with that, you can identify those gaps and those weaknesses and those vulnerabilities and those strengths to take you to the next phase, which is that understand phase. Does that make sense? It totally does. Because what you've what you really hit on the head is something we talk about all the time, which is appreciative inquiry. But the fact that it's based on dialogue and that you're mm. having conversations with people because you're putting people first. So I love what you said here because it's, you know, a lot of people I get on the uh, everybody so far that I've had on the podcast, even though they talk about all kinds of different things, we're able to kind of boil down to why does this stuff work? For human beings, why does it work for people-based systems? And I can tell you that everything you're saying works for the the academic and the theories and all of that stuff that we talk about here in the podcast about self-categorization, social identity, and appreciative inquiry. And it all works. And I think it works because you actually hit people first. You are focused on what you said, which is, hey, the baseline is. How does this affect people? Put people first and you'll start making the right decisions. So I love what you said that that friends of yours and clients are saying that, hey, this book gives it all away. Hmm. But I That's love the point. It. It's a point. <laughs> I love it because you're basically doing what you preach. You're putting people well, first. But and it, the only reason I do any of this is to serve, is to because I believe in it and because I want to – it's a way – it's, it's the, it's my purpose, right? And it's not about, I was on a call before this one where, um, with a, you know, I was recording something for my own podcast and, um, with a fellow consultant or advisor, he does business continuity and he was like, so many consultants and so many professionals just want to retain their IP. They're so scared of giving information because, you know, they're going to lose their IP. I can tell you that I am very, very, very protective of my IP and I have very great attorneys who make sure of it because that is my livelihood. However, putting it in a book or doing it in videos and giving pieces that are actually implementable and tangible and serve my audience, the people who need it, the people I'm speaking to and for, does not take away from the ownership of my IP. It enables it to actually be implemented and serve, if that makes sense. It totally does. And again, I love what you said here because you've said that this is your purpose. And what I like about that is everything we've talked about so far in this episode has come down to focusing on that purpose. In in your world, your purpose is to help organizations be crisis ready and to ha have this invincible brand and to have this capacity to deal with bad things happening in a way that builds strengths even for their day-to-day -day operations. And I love that because you're focused on the why. You're focused on the reason you're so good at this is you know what the lifeblood of your life is. And that's kind of goes along with the same thing you're saying about organizations. It the lifeblood of the organization is about what people are doing and how they're relating to each other and stakeholders and other interested parties to get them to this place where they are crisis ready. 
So what I've seen today is the fact that you've talked about such great things. You've talked about the fact that being crisis ready is not crisis management, but it's really building the capacity to deal with any crisis that comes up because it's a way to be, I guess, a it's a way to be more strategic. It's higher than just crisis preparedness. It's actually a cultural shift. So that you're not just using plans that are linear and siloed. You're actually dealing with people so that you have an organizational culture with the capacity to deal with crisis. Mm. Then yes. you you were able to talk about, hey, well, what does it actually mean? It means that we have to understand what risk looks like for the organization. We have to empower and enable people. We need to understand how to assess the impact of a crisis that happens, but we need to do it in a way that's emotionally relatable because we know we're dealing with people that are emotionally driven, social animals that make decisions not based on data or reason, but emotion. And then it's not just about managing the situation, but it's understanding how to respond to it and managing any of it with a positive focus on the end goal being let's increase trust and credibility when we come out at the end of this. So what I loved about this whole conversation is the fact that you focused on people first. You gave us these great ideas on the fact that being crisis ready is not just crisis management or being prepared for one bad thing to happen. It's really about a way of life in the organization. And it's focused on dialogue and communication and putting people first and then coming out at the end, having this level, this increased amount of trust and credibility with your stakeholders and that we can do this through communication and communicating effectively so with all this great stuff, I mean, obviously, there's a lot more in the book. Again, the book is called Crisis Ready. Um, with all of this great stuff we've talked about, yes, people can go out and, and grab the book, but I have a feeling that people are going to want more from you than just reading your book. So what can, what can people gain from you? What value can you add to organizations, and how do they get in touch with you? Because I know they're going to want to. So how do they get in touch with you to get some of this value you can add? Um, so the value that I provide is everything that we're talking about. It's, you know, the work that I do with with my clients is so intricate and so wonderful. I'm, I mean, it lights me up. This is, I call my work my candy. This is my candy. Um, and it, and all for the reason that it really, when, whether it's an issue that occurs or it's a catastrophic crisis and, you know, that catastrophic crises can be anything from anything that hits your or threatens long-term material impact on your bottom line to safety and livelihood of people, to the environment, to your reputation, to your business operations, um, that you come out of that in a way, first of all, that you prevent the preventable and that you're prepared to come out of the unpreventable in a way, again, that increases trust and, and credibility and goodwill in the brand. Um, that kind of I suppose high level summarizes, you know, the value that I give, but it goes in doing that because the work that I do is so intricate. Um, we find ways it, Oh, and this is, I think why I'm so passionate about it is that not only do they build my clients build brand invincibility, but they, 
design better processes. They design better connection with those who matter most to their business internally and externally. They like there's just so much added advantages and benefits to becoming crisis ready that serve day to day function of the business. And I think that that's really why I feel that I serve is not just to help you manage when times are, you know, really, really tough and impactful in a negative way, but also in the everyday business of your business. Um, and so that's the first part of your question. The second part is melissaagnes.com. That is where you can find so much, including contact information to me, including on Amazon um, or bulk sales through me, uh, including a of, geez, such a resource, a library of resources of how to become crisis ready from, you know, downloadable free resources to a webinar series that you, that take you, takes you through the process to videos, to blog posts, to my own podcast, to, I mean, there is a wealth of information on my blog or on my website, um, that will serve and was designed to serve. So melissaagnes.com is where you'll find all of that. All right, melissaagnes.com. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And so what is your podcast? So anybody listening to this one can go there to actually get more information and deeper on these things. What's your podcast? Awesome. Uh, my podcast, so my podcast used to be uh, Crisis Intelli- the Crisis Intelligence Podcast. I, I did it for about 60 weeks uh, or 55 weeks solid. And then I started doing videos. And then I'm bringing, I'm reviving my podcast as of September 4th of this year, which is in less than a month. Um, and I've rebranded it to be the Invincible Brand Podcast. And that is an exciting new, an exciting awakening of the of the podcast um, that will that will be coming back. So there's like 60 podcasts now that people can go and listen to, and then there will be a new one every week as of the 4th of September cool. or the 6th of September, whatever I said earlier. Yeah, that is awesome. So I'll send people to melissaagnes.com, and then definitely uh, I know for a fact I'm going to look it up, a crisis intelligence podcast, and then get up to speed so that I'm uh, on board by the time the Invincible Brand podcast comes out. That would be, that's going to, that sounds awesome. And I'll definitely check out some of the videos. So this has been a great conversation with Melissa. And the reason I've liked it so much is the fact that we've not only covered everything we cover on the Crucial Talks podcast, but we've done it in a way to understand what she does and why she's so passionate about it. But really that it's not only just something we can do to get crisis ready, but it's something that can get embedded within the culture of the organization that helps the organization, not only for crisis, but for the day-to-day interactions, for getting the job done minute by minute. It's something that that actually solidifies what the organization stands for, what the organization does, why the organization exists. That's why I've loved this conversation. So it has been an awesome conversation with Melissa. Again, go to her website at melissaagnes.com for more information. Go check out her podcast. Be ready for the next podcast coming out in September. And if you want more about how I have talked to people about dealing with tragedy through capacity building and communication, that's episode 28. And I really got a lot out of this conversation with Melissa. So if you have a chance, visit her website. And also, if you have a chance, please visit my website at www.crucialtalks.com and connect with me on email, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, however you'd like. If you need anything from me or like me to speak at your organization, please reach out. Always here, ready to have a conversation. 
Also, if you could please do me a favor, rate the podcast and share it. Leave a review if you get a chance. I would greatly appreciate it. This will help other people find these great interviews just like the one we had with Melissa Agnes on her book, Crisis Ready. Have a great week. And remember, if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people.